Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. The Giants' dream of running the table and going undefeated the second half of the season came to a crashing halt with a nightmare of a loss in Philly. As for the Jets, yes, their nightmare also continues. Not a happy holiday for the home teams. And can we please fix the ridiculous overtimes in college football? So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. Oh, boy. Was that a nightmare of a loss for the Giants, as I just stated? I mean, I want to tell you something. You know, sometimes they call. I'm, I'm glad this is a podcast and I'm not on the, you know, regular radio right now. Because they call a loss like this like a punch to the gut, you know, a real punch to the gut. Now, this was a flat-out kick in the nuts. I I can't describe it any other way. Really. I wasn't at the game. I was sitting home watching it, and my wife hadn't – she hasn't heard me holler like that for a long time. And listen, you know, the last – year and a half there's been what to holler about watching Giants games but the Giants came out I I mean there's a lot to talk about in this you know uh, listen I'm there's the finger pointing at Eli fair enough there's the finger pointing at coach Shermer fair enough now there's you got the talk that Odell Beckham Jr. is questioning the play calling It, it 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 all goes nuts. And and listen, there's a million and one reasons we can pick on any of the above names, the ones that I just mentioned. Let's start with Eli, okay? Everybody knows here I've been a defender of Eli, and if I've had if I have to bet, I will still bet that he will be your starting quarterback for your New York football giants next season. That is my gut feeling. Okay, but having said that, he was terrific in the first half, as was the Giants' offense in the first half. Not good, outstanding. Well, they had 346 total yards in the first half alone. I mean, Eli was great. 
Saquon was off the charts terrific. Odell, everybody. I mean, it, it, it was... They they were almost flawless. They were almost flawless in the first half. So let's get to the point where then they became went from flawless to flawed. The interception with like five seconds left in the first half. Okay, bad decision, bad pass, interception. It happens. The Giants still went into the halftime with a eight-point lead, nineteen eleven. Okay, and that's what you know. Football games are. There's ebbs and flow, and you make a mistake. How do you deal with the mistake? Now, uh, clearly, you know. I said to myself, okay, that gave the. Um, Gave the Eagles, you know, some momentum going into the second half. Fair enough. I'd buy that. But it was they were still suffering from an eight-point deficit. I can hear, and, and listen, what, what uh, he, Saquon Barkley touched the ball five times, had, you know, five rushing. I mean, really, in the second half, five times? That was nuts. We can talk about that. We can talk about the lack of passes going to Odell or Shepard or anybody else. But I'm reading and hearing everything today. Was everybody watching the same game that I was watching? I'm just asking everybody, was everybody watching the same game that I was watching? Because one thing... That I did not, I, I mean, it made me sick to my stomach to have to watch that. The tackling by the Giants in the second half was an embarrassment. Now, I'm telling you, folks, if you're watching that football game, you can talk about Eli's interception. You could talk about Sherman's play calling. We can talk to a blue in the face about Saquon Barkley only getting the ball five times in the second half. I get that. I understand that. And it's all fair. It is all fair. You're not going to get an argument from me on that. You know, Eli was great in the first half, but, you know, second half is a different story. We can talk about that. But where was the tackling? Because with all the garbage that went on, with the lack of offense in the second half, okay, with the lack of complete lack of offense in the second half, they still had a chance to win the game. The defense, the tackling was was just awful. I have never seen. I haven't seen tackling that bad. In a long time. that That's how awful it was. And no one's talking about that. Nobody is talking about that. Again, folks, don't misread me. I'm not waving Eli pom-poms. I'm not waving Pat Shermer pom-poms. 
I'm not waving big blue pom-poms. I'm just saying when when things are failing on one end, you got to pick it up on the other end. The Listen, in the first half, the defense certainly couldn't be tired. Because the Giants, I, what, what, I think it was like 17 and change to 12 and change. Time of possession. So it wasn't like the defense was out on the field for the whole first half or anything like that. But for crying out loud, I, they didn't make stops. Basic stops. The tackling was ridiculous. Just terrible. And when they were going into score late, that really, uh, what was it? When, when did they score? I'm, I'm trying to remember. Um, it, well, anyway, in the fourth quarter. I mean, the, there was no sense of urgency in the tackling. I, I just didn't understand that. I did not understand that. Actually, excuse me, it was at the end of the first half when Wentz completed a 15-yard touchdown pass to Ertz, okay? Listen, guys, make a stop. I mean, they didn't... uh, the, The Eagles scored with a minute and four seconds left. A minute and four seconds left. I mean, they're tackling, like, just... Keep them from going into the end zone. Gang tackle. Make them use the clock. Make them use whatever timeout there was. Make it difficult. They were tackling like like I thought they were playing flag football half the time. Let me clear one thing up. I am not including Landon Collins in this. Landon Collins was outstanding. But he couldn't do it by himself. Landon Collins was making great tackles. He he had his ass all over the field. He was simply outstanding. But, you know, you hear the term lack of execution, lack of execution. You win games when you execute. You win games when you execute. You, you know, I, I always said this, uh, Pat Shermer always bristled when people would question his team's effort. What did you think of your team's effort? He said, there's nothing wrong with the effort. The guys try hard. They don't execute. Well, yesterday, they executed in the second half. The only problem was they executed themselves. It's like they stuck their fingers in a bucket of water, then stuck it in an electrical outlet. And that's what bothered me about the loss. The effort on the tackling was terrible. Everybody's, you know, because everybody has the agenda. You know, I'm already seeing, oh, I, I was reading someplace today. Well, now there's no need since we know that they, they can't win or anything. So now there's no need that we shouldn't see Kyle Loletta. I'm so sick of hearing that shit. Enough already.
I mean, enough. Yes, the interception sucked at the end of the first half. But for crying out loud, folks, it was 19-11 at the end of the first half. The, the Giants were winning, okay? It wasn't like that interception was thrown at the end of the game. It was thrown at the end of the first half. And it's the same old shit all the time. You know, if 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 it works, then everybody's hoisting Eli on his shoulders. They're saying, oh, it was great. Eli took him right back down. Okay, I get that. The criticism, I felt the same way. Why throw the ball? But he did. Now Pat Sherman puts the blame on him. Eli puts it on himself. Both guys are those kind of guys. The coach never, th- Sherman never throws anybody under a bus, and neither does Eli. But nobody hits, since we're pointing blame, since we're pointing blame, where was the defense? I, I, I mean, where was it? The same guy, you know what? Here, in professional sports, in particular football, but I'll say this in crash, you're looking at me, in baseball too, batters and pitchers, you got to make adjustments. When they know you're a certain way, you got to make adjustments. A batter has to make an adjustment to the pitcher. The pitcher has to make an adjustment to the batter. If a guy sits his ass on fastballs all the time, the pitcher has to make adjustments to throw him junk, and vice versa. Well, in football, you have to make adjustments. In the second half, the Eagles made adjustments. And the Giants didn't do a damn thing about it. That that was a... That was a terrible, terrible loss. In in light of everything, I'm telling you folks, the building there has been terrific. You know, since the bye week, they came back, won a couple of games, everybody, there was a tremendous atmosphere. And listen, if if you ask me, I certainly didn't expect them to run the table. That's a little unrealistic. Okay, I didn't expect them to run the table. And quite frankly, I, I thought run the table after going one and seven. I felt, man, if they could end up eight and eight or seven and nine, that would be tremendous off a one and seven start. You know, people were saying to me, "Oh, Russ, one one would have really sucked." This is what I got going into this week. Wouldn't it, have, wouldn't it really suck if, if the Giants ended up 9-7 and seven and still didn't make the playoffs? My answer to that was no. It would be fabulous. It would mean they regrouped, they ran the table, they got off the deck, came out punching. Okay, too little, too late, but whatever. And quite frankly, if they can go 8-8 eight eight or 7-9, and nine, you know, you're not going to like it. But remember, this team won three games last year. But the way they lost yesterday, to me, that was, I'll tell you what, the loss in, um, you lose to the Panthers, that 63-yard field goal, 
as far as I'm sitting here concerned, that was not as bad as yesterday's loss. I say yesterday because, you know, I taped this on Mondays. It was not as bad as the loss to the, this loss to the Eagles. Simply because I, I just didn't see what I was watching on defense. Like I said, I'm not absolving anybody. I'm not not absolving anybody on the Giants in any way, shape, or form, okay? Not letting anybody off the hook. They all made their own beds. They all need to sleep in this one. I mean, you know, it was a failure in every way, except for the special teams, which really has been improved. Corey Coleman again with a nice return. Unfortunately, he also dropped an important ball, which would have been a first down. But um, Evan Ingram, he, he pulls a hammy. He pulls a hammy in the um, in the warm-ups. He can't go. Didn't seem to bother them. Red Ellison had, was doing well. It didn't seem to bother their offense in the first half at all. But we're... The defense just, it's like, hello? Did you forget how to play? I, I was, I'm really shocked about it. I, I really find this one um, worse than anything. It, this, this, to me, was their worst loss of the season. Just because the guys had hope and uh, pretty well disappeared. You know, one thing for sure, they ain't running the table. Now, now they're going to need to show some character and see how they regroup because this was a bad loss. You know, and then people can say, well, Russ, what the hell is a good loss? No, this was a bad loss. They were in Philly, in enemy territory. They were doing what they wanted in the first half. You always hear this. You got to pick each other up. And that defense, I was like, I'm, I'm telling you, some sometimes, you know, if a guy just a team is just plowing through you, I get that. If they're just picking you apart, I get that. If they're just beating you to the ball or running past you, I get that. But this was lack of tackling, lack of making stops. I'd like to know how many. I don't have it. I like to know how many yards after touches. I mean, it looked like it was flag football for a bit out there. It was terrible. It was really, really bad. And, you know, you know what the narrative is. It's all part of the agenda. Let, let, me ha- let, let us have an excuse to run Eli out. We don't want Eli to be the quarterback. Okay, because he throws an interception. We're going to hear. I, I know we're going to be hearing this all week going up to the Bears game. You can bet your sweet ass on that. That's what it's going to be. But I, I'm first thing this morning. I'm reading the papers. I've got the news, the post in front of me, uh, the record from Jersey Bergen record. I don't see anybody. Talking about the lack of tackling by the defense. 
Now, were you watching the same game I was watching? That That's all I'm asking. Because with any kind of tackling, the Giants still win that game. Don't tell me that they lost the game because of an in- interception at the end of the first half. It wasn't like that team, the, the Eagles, capitalized on that interception. The, the half ended. Defense just didn't play. The defense did not play in the second half. Uh, and that the tackling effort was non-existent. Really, really poor. And that's what was disappointing. So the Giants move on. But let me also say this. And you've heard me you heard me talk about and I haven't done this in my entire career. I have not I'm not what you know, I have not taken broadcast crews to task. You know, you heard me do it recently over um the nonsense from the ESPN Monday Night Crew, because that's a joke. Booger McFarlane and, you know, he can sit in that perch, whatever he has. A gust of wind could knock him over. I couldn't give a rat's patootie on that. But Chris Spielman yesterday doing a game. And now Spielman was a hell of a football player. But, Chris, I got a question for you. Were you perfect? Like, did you were you always flawless in every game? Because it seems to me that these ex-players who are now analysts or whether they're studio guys, it's like they forgot that they were players. They forgot that they were players. Because when they played, everything wasn't perfect. But they're making, they make the fans, and they make us in the media they make us look like softies. I mean, they come out. It's like I just got to make a name for myself and criticize for the sake of criticizing. I mean, Spielman's talking. Well, Eli throws it. But why didn't he throw it to the other guy? Oh, he didn't see him, you putz. That's why. Oh, why didn't he go to the outside? Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe it was a bad play. How many times are you going to have to say that during a game? Then there was another point. I love this. It was around midfield or something. Uh, it was late in the game. Maybe when they were going for the touchdown, a go-ahead touchdown. I, I forget the exact yard line, but he goes, uh, oh, no, I want him to go for it. On, it was like fourth and one. No, no, I want him to go for it. And, and Brenneman, you know, the play-by-play guy was saying, well, isn't it worth the discussion? No, I mean, what do the Eagles have to lose? What do the Eagles have to lose? I'll tell you what the Eagles had to lose. The Eagles were four and six going into the game. All right? They were four and six going into the game. The Redskins and the Cowboys were six and five. So here's what they had to lose. If they win that game, which subsequently they ended up doing, the Eagles go to five and six. One game out of first place. What did they have to lose, you putts? Here's what they had to lose. 
You know who's playing the Cowboys on Thursday night? This Thursday night? The New Orleans Saints. And you know who's playing the Washington Redskins this Sunday? The Philadelphia Eagles. So, there's a good chance there's going to be a three-way tie for first place in the NFC East. Okay? If the Eagles win and the Saints win, if the Eagles win Sunday and the Saints win Thursday night, which I would have to say it's a good chance it's going to happen. Nothing's a lock. But when you say, what did I have to lose? Really? And you're this football expert? What did I have to lose? What they had to lose was the chance of not getting into first place. That's what they had to lose. So, you know, when Tom Brenneman brought it up, it made perfect sense. Perfect sense. I understood them going for it. I probably would have gone for it. But to to dismiss Brenneman as like, huh, what are you talking about? Made no sense at all. What do they have to lose? But, I mean, listening to Spielman talk about every, I mean, why did he do this? I mean, he should have done this. He didn't do this. He should have done that. But another guy who gets paid by the word. She's enough. Anyway, that's that for that game. As for the Jets, their nightmare also continues. What are you going to do? I, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, their fifth loss in a row, just like the Giants, they too are now, you know, three and eight. Uh, five game losing streak. The Bulls' watch is on. And. You know, it is what it is. You know, I, I noticed, uh, I, I read something in the paper uh, yesterday. Bob Raceman, in, in his column, who writes, uh, you know, covers the sports media in the Daily News, you know, he talks about the gas bags, like the media guys. Well, you know, and a lot of it is directed at the electronic media. That's fair enough, you know, whereas the gas bags all, all have their agenda. And, and the, the, listen, you heard me defend Todd Bowles. Not defending him so much, it, it's hard to defend the record, okay? It's hard to defend the record. And if he's going to be replaced, so be it. But, you know, he, he, he's been treated, he's being treated cruelly. It gets ugly. You know, I, I said this, you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago. New York is the greatest place in the world to win, but it's the most god-awful place to lose. But if you're going to include electronic media, myself included, as gas bags, one needs to look in the mirror and, and look at your brethren in the print media. Because all I'm reading today is Bowles has to go. Bowles has to go. Bowles has to go. Nice guy, but Bowles has to go. I mean, if we're going to call it straight, let's call it straight. Okay? Gas bags can go at it pretty good in the print media as well. And, and you know what? 
I haven't seen anybody say about the gas bags in the media talking about Eli all season. You want to talk about being treated cruel like, like what he did for the previous 14 years was non-existent. It's like, let's dump this piece of garbage out of town. So stop. In particular, the Daily News. Because they clearly have an agenda to run Eli out of town. But for crying out loud, I mean, I mean like I say, it, it's hard to defend. You know, it, it's tough on balls. I mean, you know, and he's a defensive coach. So it's uh, it's a bad situation. But, you know, like like I said, let's be fair. Don't make it like just the electronic media is, is you know, the gas bags. Raceman likes to call it the valley of the stupid. Well, I mean, I'm reading the papers today. Let me see here. No defense. No. No defense. Hey. It's time to ask what Bulls Jets do well. Got to go. You know, you got plenty of gas bags in the print media. All right. That's enough. We got two, three, and eight football teams. And I got indigestion. So uh, the turkey from Thanksgiving is, it's it's coming up. Let me get to college football for a second. Can we please get rid? I... I this overtime is stupid. That LSU-Texas A&M game, 74-72, seven overtimes. Now, whoever came up with this cockamamie decision, uh, you know what? I grew up with ties. Not just in college football, in professional football. One of one of the most famous ties of probably crash. The most famous tie in college football of all time was Notre Dame, Michigan State. Okay, Chris says Harvard, Yale, but the one that got the biggest was you know what I'm talking about though. Uh, Arab Parsegian, who was they were ranked number. He chose to play for the tie because it won the national championship. Look. I understand people want to see a winner. You can have a winner by playing. You don't want it to be like the pros. You know, uh, you play for 15 minutes. I mean, uh, if if it has to go to that and then you call it a tie, okay. But this business of let's go to the 25, you get the ball, then you score. You can't kick extra points. You have to run them in. A couple of things. The kicking game is part of football. You're allowed to kick field goals in the overtime, so why shouldn't you have to kick extra points? There's still a holder. There's still a long snapper. Why not? But but screw that. This business, if it, seven overtimes, and it, let's get the ball at the 25, why, why can't you do this? You want to keep a limit on things? You want to play? I don't know. You want to do it each? How about this? If you don't want to do play one full quarter again, how about do this? Each team gets two possessions. Not one, 
two possessions. That's it. Two possessions. Now, if I'm playing you, I score on my first possession, you don't score on your first possession, that means if I score again on my second possession, game over. But this, but play real football. I mean, I mean, the whole game, it's just red zone football. Plus five yards, if you want to call it. To me, it makes no sense. None. The game's just thrown on. It, it, it's stupid. Doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to wait up till four o'clock in the morning, whatever the hell it was, to watch at the end of a football game like that. Seventy-four, seventy-two, and it's not because of that game. I just don't like the whole concept. Maybe it's just me, but you know what? I was talking to some of the guys here, and it's it's not just. It's not just in football. I, w- I was talking to Crash about it before we went on. You know, like in baseball. Th- the simplest things. Oh, they want to speed up the game in baseball. So you, instead of, if you want to walk somebody intentionally, you don't have to throw the ball. You just say walk. Oh, okay. You know what? Sometimes making the guy throw the ball, he can throw it away. Sometimes the catcher could drop the ball. Sometimes the batter can be fooled. As Johnny Bench was in a World Series against the Oakland A's. They were walking him. Then they threw a strike by him. Then they threw another strike by him. It's part of baseball. I don't understand, you know, how about hockey? Crash, you know this. In hockey, I grew up when they would play for ties. Across the board, if you would have asked anybody what was considered the most exciting play in sports, everybody would have said the penalty shot. That was known as the most exciting play in sports. Hockey took the most ex- exciting play and sport in sports and made it nothing. I grew up with ties in hockey. Why can't there be ties in college football? There could be ties in pro football. There can't be ties in college football. I mean, it's stupid. It just doesn't make sense. They're worried about no ties in college football, but you ought to be more worried about running up scores in college football. When powerhouses play the little sisters of the poor and just run up scores because it looks good on their resumes. I mean, really. I'm sorry. You know, to me, enough becomes enough. Oy. It has not been a good weekend as far as I'm concerned. You got a nightmare for the Giants. A nightmare for the Jets. This overtime stuff. But we regroup. Hope you all had yourselves a wonderful Thanksgiving. And now you also got some stuff to look forward to. 
Baseball winter meetings are coming up, so now we can speculate on play, you know, Monopoly money and who's going to come here and who's going to go there. But until then, that is a wrap right here. I want to thank all of you for being part of today uh, and for getting a load of this. Now, as I always say, I'd like to get a load of you people. You can uh, let me know how you feel about my comments on Twitter at Russ Salzberg or on Facebook. You can check out my blogs on my website at russsalzberg.com. As always, my many, many thanks, big-time thanks to my buddy here, Crash, also known as Mike Caragliano, to Tim Einenkel, the outstanding OG podcast producer, to 77 WABC program director Craig Schwab, to 77 WABC assistant program director Matt Dahl, to my buddies here who show me a lot of support, Bernie and Sid, and to, as always, last but certainly not least, you the fans out there. Because without you guys, I'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time with you guys, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying to all of you, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.